Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. set designer I think it's very cluttered back here <laughs> any set designers out there I never thought I'd have to start thinking about set designing um, maybe I'll go back to the old position I just moved my couch so I don't know I got a lot of photos here a lot of crazy stuff here oh thank you everyone for the happy Father's Day wishes happy Father's Day to all of you out there. My parents were always so like decorating with their sets and everything. And this was originally just to be a crazy part of my house, but now it's, I don't know. Maybe I'll set up a fake space station or something next time. Big picture of Jesus or angel wings. Went to have uh, breakfast with my kids this morning, but um, they're long late at the really fun restaurant, breakfast restaurant that we want. Everybody had the same idea. Can't believe that. Um, so we went to Starbucks and we had fun. And Milo caught a Pokemon that he's been trying to catch forever at Starbucks. His sister found it, he caught it, team, team effort. Um, there's a Pokemon ball right there. <laughs> With a stuffed wombat. Not a real stuffed wombat, but wombat. That's my favorite animal in Australia, period. But I'd like to have a pet wombat. Um, we've got Chris Christopherson looking over our shoulders and Chuck D, Martin Luther King, Eric Dressen, Joe Strummer, Who else we got? We got Johnny Rotten. We got we got Eo Dynamite. So Sinead O'Connor and MC Light in the house. <laughs> One day I can't wait to be like Russell Brand and be like, "Welcome to my 1.5 billion followers. <laughs> Welcome to my 11 wonderful, beautiful people." How are you guys liking the YouTube? video thing so i tried a little um experiment on um on tuesday um i'm gonna start doing tuesdays and they're kind of gonna be musings and i think sometimes they'll be like religious based like i talked about grace on the first one you can catch that it was only like 15 minutes um but i think i'm gonna be picking random issues that maybe are even outside of Christianity. I think maybe we'll talk about politics, different movements, um, how to live with the lack, even punk rock music and hip hop music and how all those things kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, we're gonna continue to do more stuff. So we're starting more stuff now. If you're wondering what this amazing piece of jewelry man jay must be really rich now because 
This was my Father's Day gift from my sweet daughter, Minnie, who she goes to uh, Orthodox daycare. So they had plenty of crosses on hand. <laughs> I love that. But she could only get one big bead, she said, and one pink bead. But, uh, and it can be a keychain in case I need it to be. Or she said I could connect it to a necklace and it could just be a special kind of necklace. So, there you go. My Father's Day gift from my sweet, sweet baby girl. And Milo, you wanna see something Milo drew for my Father's Day? Yeah, you do. And the kid's mom wrote me a really fantastic letter. That her, her Father's Day letters get better and better every year when it's really sweet. So Milo drew me a, an owl. Hmm. Oh, that's not all. His mom framed him. Um, a spider. And this, don't tell Milo, but I'm not, I think it's a crow. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> share some of that with you. I share all my my pain and grief with you, so might as well share some of my with you guys. Um, good things as well. Um, so to my friends abroad, outside of the United States, I have a question, and and I'll see your little answers come up, but they just briefly come up, but so I can't read long ones. Um, but I know, like here in the States, we're really, really divided. And I was wondering if you're feeling this in different parts of the country, you know, and if you just want to be like, no, UK, or yes, in UK, or no, in Switzerland, or yes, you know, and just, you know, share that with us so we kind of get an idea of, um, on that. Oh, you're welcome for being here on Father's Day. My kids are great, and they love to get, um, <laughs> I bribe them to be really good on, on talking days, so they're starting to like it. Um, <laughs> we go to the grocery store and get a little, little treat. So Milo graduated from kindergarten, and that was, oh, was so wonderful and so cute, and I can't even believe it. And then this Friday, Minnie graduates from daycare, and so they'll both be at the same school next year. We're very excited about that. So... When, I'm, when I tell you that we are a community and we go through this stuff together, that's true. That's what we're doing. We're going through life together. We're living in this world. We're, we're uh, sharing one another's burdens and joys and hopes and peace and strengths because I think those little strengths help us keep going. I can't even tell you how much my kids have really kept me going. There's times where, um, you know, you feel like you don't want to go anymore. And I'll tell you, like, for those of you, and I think a lot of you suffer from mental health issues and depression, uh, I think that's a revolution requirement. Um, you know, but depression, you know, I remember as I was a kid, my mom would always talk about the devil, and she'd be like, the devil comes and still kills, and to still kill and destroy, you know? And I think if we took more of an analytic look or a more radical theological look at it, it could just be like, you know, things like depression come in and they're liars. Like, you know, the devil is a liar. Well, depression is a liar, you know. 
Um, depression starts to tell you like, oh, your kids would be better off without you. Oh, you're not needed. Oh, people don't really love and care about you. You know, um, and, and those lies are hard to hear and it's hard not to react from those lies. Um, and I think that's why DBT was so good for me and seeing an analyst is so good for me is, is, is that we learn to realize that those are just thoughts that we can allow to move through our heads and go through it. So if you're in that place right now where you're thinking this world would be better off without you, I'm here to tell you that I don't think it's true. And I'm also here to honestly tell you that I had those thoughts this week, you know? So I, I, I share in your pain and suffering. And I guess that's one thing you'll always know. Like if you want to go to a good time church for a while and do that and great. And then when you start to like go like through a lot of hell and a lot of shit, you can tune in here. Come see me. Let's talk. Let's go through it. You know, we can suffer together, um, but we can also rejoice together. And, and, and so I am rejoicing my, my kids today and, and being a father. Um, I didn't realize how much it would, uh, you know, I thought it might take away from my work. And in some ways it does. I mean, you have to make sacrifices. But in other ways, it adds to the work that I do. And it causes me to move forward. And it, it doesn't allow me to, you know, want to give up. Um, so in a way, it's like, okay, I'm not going to compromise my belief system, but I'm also not going to uh, give up, you know, because I'm not going to give up on my kids. And the thing that I love, uh, my kids first, right after that, it's, it's this work. I really love this work, my friends and this work. And it's been a blessing. Um, some of you have sent some very kind uh, direct messages on, Instagram and on Facebook and on Twitter as well. Uh, really encouraging to send me some text messages. Those of you have my number. And I just can't thank you enough for that. It really means a lot. Um, you know, I had a really tough, tough session with my analyst last week. And my friend Helen um, you know, we're working together on this project, this documentary that we're doing, and man, it's really going great. It, it, we're really getting a lot of great people. I think you guys will be really excited. I think this will be the definite, the definite doc on, on the Baker family and on my mom. Um, just almost everybody in it was there, and it's, it's just going to be really cool. Um, and so me and Helen are working on that, and we're constantly in contact about, like, oh, we've got to get these folks and trying to get, you know, my mom's brothers and sisters and, and, and people, you know, bodyguards and assistants and, you know, all these different folks. Um, and so we're working together, but it was really nice that, like, you know, usually me and Helen are just doing work texts. And I, and I came home from a really tough session, and she just goes, how are you? How are you doing? And I was like, well, well right now I'm crying because you sent this at the perfect time. You know, it's been tough. And uh, a lot of y'all have really been there. And uh, I just don't want to link it. Even if I haven't got back to you, it's, it's not that it was on purpose. It's just that my life is, I get a little crazy. But know that, that those words don't go unheard. And so when we carry one another's burdens, when we help one another, you know, don't take that for granted. You know, it's easy just to be silent and not say anything. Um, but it's nice to know that we have a community that sees 
when we see one another suffering, you know, and it's not just me, you know, I mean, I was talking to someone the other day and they said, yeah, I was, you know, someone in the congregation has gone through a rough time and we've been really talking and it's been really great. So this is, this is community goals, folks, you know, and I hope some of you who watch this later, you know, dive into, you know, dive into the Facebook account, dive into the Instagram accounts and, and, and get to know each other through there because I know not everybody watches this at once or listens to this podcast at once. Um, but we're around. And uh, so talk to each other because I, I think this is a really great community. So, wow, that was a long intro, eh? Um, give you an idea, that's about how long I do my musings. So there you go. Um, so today, I was thinking, and I hope I can make this work. I don't even know if today is going to work, but we're going to try. Um, because I, I've been thinking about just how overwhelmed I am and how overwhelmed we all are by the separation, the, the complete division in this country, and how basically our senators are doing nothing. Um, I think they're almost about to sign a, a gun control bill, which will be a miracle and it'll be great. But how many of our senators are either, you know, towing the party line or have forgotten their promises <laughs> to help us get health insurance and things like that? They're not talking about it. Like, because I think a lot of them are paid by people or people donate to them and they kind of forget who they're serving. Um, or they think they're only serving the Republicans, or they only think they're serving the Democrats. How great would it be if we had senators and even a president who was like, you know, I'm not just presidents of the Republicans and the Democrats. I don't just serve the Republicans. I serve everybody, and let's figure out how we can serve everybody best so we can live together. Even if that means some compromise in society, but how can we better, some, better treat society as a whole so we can work together? Because, you know, I remember Dr. King said, we may have all come in different boats here, but we're all in the same boat now. And what do we do in that boat? And it's the road less traveled. It is the narrow road. And I keep coming back to the narrow road. Uh, 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 an idea that was really used to abuse me as a kid, telling me to give up certain things and not hang out with certain people and not do certain things. And it's, it's actually the opposite of that. It's loving more people, doing everything, being there, but it's also having the, the tough conversations of compromise and contradictions and, and existing in those moments of tension and realizing like, you know, there's so many people over here and there's so many people over here that we have to start thinking differently. And I think there's a way to do it, um, but it will be, pa it takes patience. It takes the fruits of the spirit. Uh, it does take somewhat dying to our own flesh and dying to our own demands, which is something that I think we have gotten away from. Um, within our culture. We almost have this like completely, we want to be completely enjoy life and we want to completely be accepted by everyone and we want to just have this whole thing. And I will tell you this, that's not how the world works. That's not how a, a society works that we live in. We're all very different in different ways. And so how do we make allowances and room for people's differences? even when you might find those differences hard to deal with. Um, you know, Paul Tillich would talk about often when we disagree, even harshly, we hear each other's words and we see what's behind those words and we hear each other uh, and we recognize our humanity. And um, 
we're going to have to realize that humanity is a lot more complex than we think and that we just can't get everybody to go like, well, we'll all do this and everything will be cool. But I'll give you an example. I had a relative who said um, to me, well, didn't say it to me, said it on Facebook. Um, <laughs> was like, well, now the, the gay flag is not allowed to be flown uh, in, in, you know, on state capital grounds. You know, now we need to go ahead and start putting back in the Ten Commandments and the Bible stuff and all that. And I'm going like, no, you don't get it. It's not that we're not trading one for the other. Is is that these these government entities serve all the people? It's not a trade. It's saying like none of these things necessarily need to be there. Those people need to be serving all of us. You know, they need to be serving the LGBTQ community. They need to be serving people who are of different faiths and different religions. You know, they really, it's, it's not their job to say, you know, we're gonna take a place. Their job is to make sure that no one in those different, um, those different groups and those different people groups are, are being treated or mistreated or not having equality, equal rights. It's not for them to say, well, then now we're going to side with these guys. You know, it's not trading off. And I think that's the, 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 the strange thing is, is when we think about government is we think, <laughs> you, know, they're, they, you know, it's a trade. You know, so well, now we're all going to be, you know, we're going to have all the LGBTQ flags flying. We're going to get rid of all this really crazy closed-minded Christian stuff. And then it's like, oh, no, we get rid of those. Now let's put all this stuff back in. And it's going, no, the point is, is for these people to be neutral and to be protecting us as human beings and our individual rights as human beings for my gay brothers and sisters to have equal rights for their marriage rights and for all that, but also to protect the rights of these Christians and some of these Christians who don't disagree, who disagree with us. I mean, I had a very close friend of mine, a father, you know, is angry because of the, the people I support. But the fact is, is he should be protected as well as much as I should be protected. But the fact is, is with that, hopefully we can come into a community where we can have hard decisions. We can have hard conversations and that we're not constantly within war with one another. You see what I'm saying? It's like we are looking at the government for sa uh, to be saviors. And so uh, the other day, yesterday, and you can look on my Instagram post, I posted a picture. I went to the dumpster yesterday and was throwing out stuff and there was a pillow and it said blessed, and it was sitting in the dumpster, and it looked like a cat probably wiped its ass on the pillow, and that's why it was thrown away, and there's all this garbage around it, and I just put hashtag blessed. Um, but the, for me, that is the idea I get every time someone's different, like your political party wins if we lived in reality, like, oh, the Democrats have it. We're blessed, but we're covered in shit, and we're covered in all this, or the conservatives. But we're blessed. We've got this. You know, there's a mess there. It's a mess. And then the fact that we find such loyalty to these people as though like they're sports people or they're our favorite wrestlers or something is beyond me. Like, I wish we could live into the reality of like, yeah, this might be a group that I somewhat agree with, but they're a mess and they need reformation. Our side needs reformation. So it's like the reality of it is like, oh, we won, but it's all still kind of shit. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I think, biblically, there's some ways for us to look at this. Now, I hope I can do this right today. Uh, this verse just really came to me last night, and I decided to share it, so we're going to see what I can make out of it, if anything. 
Fingers crossed. Here, fingers crossed. Um, there's an Acts 5. And uh, I believe Paul and a lot of the apostles are on trial here. And um, they're on trial. And so a religious teacher gets up to talk about what's going on with these, with these Christians who are on trial and, and what he's going to say about them. And I, I think it really builds into a very interesting way. Uh, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up and ordered the men to be put outside for a short time. Then he said to them, fellow Israelites, consider carefully what you're proposed to do with these men. For some time ago, Theodias rose up claiming to be somebody and a number of men, about 400, joined him, but he was killed, and they all who followed him were dispersed and disappeared. After him, Judas, the Galilean, rose up at a time of the census and got people to follow him. He also got people to follow him. He also perished, and all who followed him were, were scattered. So in this present case, I tell you to keep away from these men and let them alone because of this plan of this undertaking. It is, if it is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. In that case, you may even find yourself fighting against God. And I thought how important this is, especially when I, I see so many people who don't like biblical scholarship these days. You know, I bring up biblical scholarship on some of my, some of my work and people go, oh, well, you're just, you know, you're just trying to, you know, justify your sin. I'm like, well, it, this is, I'm not trying to justify anything. I, I am trying to say a group, certain groups are accepted that you might miss because you're not studying the right scholarship. Um, I was reading from Acts 5, uh, 33 to, uh, I believe, 39. And so I love this insight of this Pharisee saying, you know, you, it, it, let's just, let's see what happens, you know. And I've seen this happen where uh, Willow Creek in Chicago, when me and the folks from uh, Soul Force went and met with them, it was kind of this thing of like, well, you know, you may be fighting against God. And the interesting thing was, is they broke off their relationship with Exodus, the anti-gay church, and now they're doing something different. Um, so it's interesting to see how these things happen is if we are willing to let them kill people, we go, okay, what is, what's going to be the outcome? How will this follow? I mean, remember how, the, um, the Calvinist movement was. It was very anti-women. You know, um, God was kind of this angry monster, you know. And 
and Mark Driscoll was kind of leading it, him and, and, and the guy out in um, Minnesota, you know, and now, where are they now? I mean, they're still around. Piper's still around. Driscoll's still around, but they're not around like they used to be. Most of their people are scattered. I mean, I see a lot of people who are really disillusioned by those words and by those things. And it was like, it, it was just, it was a no brainer. It was the it, it was it, it was what that conclusion was going to be. Um, now I spent a lot of time arguing with those folks and doing those things. I'm not saying that we just ignore it, but what I'm saying is is that often it might not be for us to go out and say, well, we've got to destroy these folks. It might help us to say, like, you know, what's the logical outcome to something like this? What is a logical outcome where people are being treated hurt and, and, and full of pain and they're being told to treat women like second-class citizens, or they're being taught uh, that they're the only special ones that are going to get to heaven, you know. So, um, and the logical conclusion was is it just doesn't work after time. It's not good news. It's only good news for a few people. Um, but I also say that to, to say that I think we should sometimes look at that way in, in, within the political realms of, of, of the logical outcome. And unfortunately, it's so separate and so uh, the well is so poisoned right now that we're, we're very split. And, I, I, and what I hope for is that we come together as communities and we recognize each other's humanity and we put aside our Republican or Democrat or Marxist or things like that and say, all right, we all have to coexist. Everybody's favorite bumper sticker. <laughs> we, always, we all need to learn to coexist. And the reason is not to compromise the coexistence. The, the hope is, is that by realizing like we can live and let live with the idea that can we be a community if we live and let live, and then we can start to have a place, a time where we can have these tough conversations, preferably not on social media, unless it's like video debates or things like that or talks, but also where we're not throwing each other into hell. Like we don't even wanna kill each other. We wanna make sure that person is permanently tortured in ovens for the rest of their lives. Um, and that's just not very sane, especially if you've just done a simple word study on, in Greek and Hebrew on the word hell in the Bible. Your thoughts on that may change. Um, I can't, every time one pops up and I can't read it. Sorry, guys. I tried, I get like halfway through it. So let me read some of my notes. I, I do think this idea of, of, you know, you may be fighting against God and, and that was one of the things like I, I kind of wanted to express to my father early on when I told him I was an ally and I was affirming and a few other people is like, hey, if this isn't of God, then let's see where it goes. But obviously this is a thing that continued to grow, has not stopped. And today I wrote two emails, two text messages uh, <clears throat> to uh Randy and Gary, who are, uh, run uh, Open Door Community Church, are two uh, partners, married, they're husband and husband, and one to Steve Peters. And I wish them Happy Father's Day. And I was wishing them a Happy Father's Day because I was saying, you have been more fathers to me than most people. 
and you have shown me the love and grace of Christ. You have shown me mercy. You have shown me compassion. You have had the patience for me that when I disappear and I go inside myself and I don't talk, you've not said, well, screw you, 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 you know, you're too quiet or, you know, you're too introverted. Um, you know, you've given me time and pay, space and respect. And there's something that's so beautiful and important about that. So for me, I see uh, the fruits of the Spirit. You know, I see the fruits of the Spirit that I'm finding peace, patience, kindness, and joy from my LGBTQ brothers, my, my gay brothers right now, my gay brothers and my gay fathers, my gay dads who have taken these places in my life to be there for me. You know, um, I think of Lawrence Richardson, uh, who, who tra who's transgender, uh, female to male. And, but uh, when I see Lawrence, I never think about that. I think of a great pastor. I think of the guy who came and saw me when I was in the mental hospital and sat with me and was like, you know, don't give up. This isn't the end. This is just part of your story. This is part of your journey. And it wasn't about, and he never was like, you know, I'm black and I'm trans and so I know what it's like to suffer more than you. No, it was never that. It was saying that we know what it's like to suffer together as brothers in Christ, in a community, as humans. We know that what suffering is without having to, to have the hierarchy of suffering and relate to one another and help one another by carrying each other's burdens rather than saying, oh, my burden, your burden's a little lighter than mine. You know, no. You know, that wasn't getting us anywhere. But what got us somewhere is that we were going, we're humans going through a human experience. And sometimes that experience looks like being victims of misinformation where you become prejudiced or heterosexist or things like that. Uh, sometimes that going through that goes not feeling like you were born the right gender. I mean, these are the, these are the human experiences. Th these aren't individual experiences. This is experience, we, we see it everywhere. These are people who are having human experiences, you know? And we see people who struggle with it. We see people get very angry with it. And often I think people get angry is because they're not being recognized as humans. One of the great things that the Apostle Paul did and that Jesus did was always going to the person and not exposing that they were sinners, they were bad, but that they, he saw, that they saw their humanity. I mean, almost all of Paul's thing is saying, you guys come from, in Galatians, you two come from completely different backgrounds. There really is no reason you should get together. You should probably be at war because, you know, you, one group thinks they're chosen by God, who, the Christian God, the Jewish God, and the other group thinks like, well, we've been worshiping lakes and mountains and all this stuff, but we want this Jesus thing too, and, but we don't want all your, you know, religious traditions, and they're fighting, and Paul's going like, hey, it's okay. You can keep your traditions on this side. You can keep your traditions on this side. What I want you to help you see is that you're both humans. That's why he said there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. We are one. In Christ, And I almost think in some ways saying one in Christ is the recognition of our humanity. When Jesus is with the woman at the well, he tells her everything about her, not to condemn her, but to say, you're a human being. I see your humanity and I'm going to use you to reach this community. When he, you know, the, the, the story that's probably not actually happened, but even the story of the woman caught in adultery, Jesus is bringing humanity not only to that woman, but also humanity to those who were holding 
the, the, the rocks to stone her, riding in the dirt, somehow reminding them that they are also humans and that we are in this boat together. I mean, that was almost all of Paul was saying, okay, we're going to reach everybody. You know, Jesus saw this coming, but Paul built on it. And Paul's whole message was trying to be like, this, this is not a religion for one group or another group. This is not, this is for everyone. Grace is for all. Grace is anarchy. We're all there. And matter of fact, we're going to have to help each other and we're going to have to carry each other's burdens and we're going to have to listen to disagree well because if you don't do that, you're going to bite and devour one another. And if you bite and devour one another, you have to be careful of destroying one another and being consumed by one another. And so what I would say that's happening definitely in the United States right now is that we are being consumed by one another in such a horrible way, and it's really hard to see people that I love on both sides uh, speaking with such venom on their lips and such poison on their lips when we are called to take a narrow road, when we are called to die to ourselves. I don't know what we think dying to ourselves actually means, but it means I'm going to die to myself. We've got to be the change. If we want to be the change we want to see in the world, then we have to go, I'm going to have to be a little bit more patient. I'm going to have to be a little bit tougher. Now, that doesn't happen over time, but if you're listening right now, you're already looking for a way to do that. You know, you're already looking for a way to say, how do I love my LGBTQ brothers and sisters more? How do I love my uh, woke brothers and sisters more? How do I love my conservative brothers and sisters more? There's got to be a third way. And that's why it's a narrow road, because it's a difficult road. That's why it's covered in thorns and thistles and things like that, because it's a painful road. Do you hear me? Can I get an amen? I'm always going to challenge you. But I think it's a better way. And I think this is how we start Reformation. I mean, that was the great thing about Dr. King. I'll say it again. You know, when Dr. King was assassinated... Um, uh, Jesse Jackson said, one of the first things that Jesse Jackson said is that, that white people lost their best friend. He was basically saying white people lost their advocate. And this is often why Dr. King was so, so, um, polarizing at times and not very popular at the end. But he was saying, you know, as, as, as important as that we as, as, as African-Americans, as black brothers and sisters are treated with respect and have equal, it is also important to realize that our white brothers and sisters who are practicing racism and prejudice are also victims. And these people are victims of horrific misunderstanding and we have to heal them as well. And the idea of nonviolence was that when you're beating someone who is not fighting back, not only do you recognize their humanity of the person that you're wounding, but then you look at that stick in your hand and you go, what's happened to my humanity? Where has my humanity gone? How has the color of the skin the, the difference in the, how has that robbed me of my humanity? How has hate overcome me so much that I cannot love another human being, that I am willing to beat 
a human who is not even fighting me. You see the importance of that, the importance of helping people see that. And uh, that's what I love about King's nonviolent work. I, I think it's vital for that. There's a great documentary I just watched. It's called uh, King in the Wilderness. I think it's on Hulu. It was made by HBO, but I think you can get it on Hulu now, and I really highly recommend it. Also seeing how uh, King's followers, you know, deal with his shortcomings and his failures. You know, it wasn't about canceling. It was almost like, it's interesting because it was the most Christ-like I've, I've seen is they're saying he was under a lot of pressure. They weren't trying to condone his sin, but they were also trying to say he was human being. He was under a lot of pressure. He was working harder than anybody we know. And so, yeah, he failed a few times. He made some mistakes because he's human. Now, imagine if we were able to embrace each other's humanity to such a point that when we see each other fall, we're not going like, well, they must have been manipulating those people to you know, get in bed, or they must have been drinking because they are horrible people. We could go... Maybe they realized what they were doing. When one, if it was in Dr. King's sake, maybe he was realizing that he was just overly stressed, traveling too much and doing too much. Or in other areas, maybe it's that they're realizing that their, their message is hateful and hurtful and hurting others. And their only way to cope is to get on a plane and go to you know, Bermuda or have a drink or have an affair or do those things to try to deal with that pain. And that's why it says in Galatians that when you do those things, you miss out on the fruits of the Spirit is because what you're doing is you're self-medicating yourself because you can't deal with the contradictions in your own life. You can't deal with the fact that maybe I've sold out to these people and I, don't, I can barely sleep at night. You know, and I think that's why we see a lot of addiction in celebrities and musicians. And I guarantee you, if you looked deeper into pol politics, you'd see it more. And why we see pastors fall apart. Um, because sometimes it just doesn't feel like God is there. And you've got to show up every week and say, God's here, and God loves you, but God doesn't love those people. And you've got to go, I, how can I continue to speak this? And you have to medicate yourself to deal with that feeling of hypocrisy. I mean, this is the kind of things that if we're able to have empathy for our enemies, when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, love your enemies, be kind to those who persecute you, this was the idea of saying, let's look a little bit deeper. I mean, I can definitely tell you there are some senators who are just mentally broken. I mean, I, you know, you, you've seen them. They're just, they don't make any sense. They're just mentally broken. They're under way too much pressure. They can't handle it. And they're saying insane things. You know, and we mock them and talk bad about them, but at the same time, it might be like, hey, maybe we need to change the way uh, senators work. You know, maybe there need to be shorter terms for them and, 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 and limited time that they can spend there. And, you know, and maybe there should be like wellness checks and make meeting with therapies like police have to do and they take someone's life or do things like that. They have to meet with a therapist and a counselor, you know. These are people who are helping lead our country. They're under a lot of pressure. There might be some, so, so there might be some ways to reform the Senate, reform our government, and also, also, Ted Cruz drives me insane, I have to say. Somebody put Ted Cruz up there. He, he, it's really, really hard. Um, him and, um, oh, I, I saw somebody else wearing the, a shirt for somebody the other day. 
and it was hard not to just judge their whole thing, their whole life based on just the, the, the shirt they were wearing. Um, the, the, the guy who, whose dad was the big, um, uh, oh gosh, what was he? Oh gosh, I can't remember the guy's name. He's also, I think he's in Kentucky. I think he's, a, I think he's out of Kentucky, but I'm not sure. Uh, Ron Paul. I think it's Ron Paul. And I hear the guy's wearing a Ron Paul shirt. And it was really hard for me not to just be like, this guy's wearing a Ron Paul shirt, so he just must be a completely 100% horrible person. Um, but I'm just saying, oh yeah, Rand Paul. Um, it, it's really, really tough uh, when we can't even have these conversations uh, because the world is, is broken. And honestly, I've never seen a country in such a mess in my life. Um, I'm obsessed with Belfast, Northern Ireland and the troubles that they had there. And I see us leading on a much grander scale of that type of thing. And I still come back to blessed are the peacemakers. And how are we peacemakers? And how do we make allowances for everyone to live uh, even when we can't change their, their own thoughts or their personalities or their things like this? It's, it's hard. It's tough. Um, I'll tell you what I wrote down and then I'll end this thing because it's been pretty long. But... Um, we may need to start thinking in ways to let folks live and let live so that we can invest and make time where we can disagree without throwing or destroying them out, destroying each other, going to war. So I wrote nonviolence. You know, we need, might need to start having this live and let live because I think, you know, when I, in the 90s, when people, a lot of my friends were first coming out to me and things like that, you know, there's a sense of that we just want to live and let live. You know, let's live and let live. And there might have to be a sense where we return to that point and go, okay, let's go back to this point, but now let's move from this and saying, if we're going to live and let live, can we respectfully meet with each other and talk to each other and say, here are our disagreements. We've agreed to allow each other to live in this. You know, you're gay. I'm a conservative Christian. We live in this. This is this country, and the country is open for all of us, and that's what freedom and all that stuff is about. And we're going to have to learn to have hard conversations. We're going to learn how to talk about this, you know. Um, but how do we do it? How do we do it in a productive way uh, that doesn't lead people to suicide, to homelessness, to brokenness. You know, how do we keep people from kicking their gay youth out? How do we kick fam keep families from, like recently ostracized because of, uh, honestly, because I think I stood up for my, uh, because I shared a story with my dad about uh, my transgender friend, Lawrence, who helped me when not a lot of people were helping me. And then I saw Jesus there. And I think it frightened him that I was somehow rewriting the Bible. Um, but that was my experience. I experienced my experience, strength, and hope. And how do we have these conversations and realize the fruit of the Spirit is acting within people that we might not agree with? You know, I mean, it's funny as I'm working on this documentary, how many people I start to see in my life who laid the foundation for me to be who I am today and to be such a survivor that, that those folks that that those, a lot of those folks are very conservative, you know, and, and have very conservative views. 
Maybe it's time for us to start loving those who are falling victim to greed and to start thinking of ways to help them back on the path. Also things uh, of how do we lead to reform that will help us all work together and move in a more human way. We find ourselves stuck in the same boat and destroying the other. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. Canceling each other, it's not working. People have different opinions. People vote different ways. You know? But if we just continue to call them awful and horrible and tell them they're enemies and that they're small-minded bigots or that people are perverse and just want to do whatever they want to do. We're just throwing more fuel on the fire. We're not changing anything. We're just creating a greater divide. And there's nothing in Christianity that encourages a great divide. It's just not there. So it's not working. It's only fueling our anger and clouding our good judgment. When your anger... When you're angry, you don't judge well. When you're angry, you don't say things well. You know, one of the things I've learned in DBT is like stop, think, let those thoughts go by, deal with that anger, you know? Um, and I like revenge. I see someone just wrote revenge. That was the biggest word I saw. But man, revenge is, feels really good. But ultimately, it just doesn't change anything. It just, then they get revenge. And then they get revenge. And so violence is just a cycle. You know, Dr. King said, love is the only force capable of turning an enemy into a friend. And what we might have to learn to do is love people who think differently than us, disagree with us, and as King did, maybe even love those who don't recognize our own humanity. You know, love, I love my father, even though he's not sure I'm going to make it to heaven, even though he thinks I'm rewriting the Bible. I still love him. It's hard. It breaks my heart. It keeps me up at night. It makes me feel very sad. There's times I break down and cry, so I'm not saying this is an easy thing to do. But what I'm saying is it's the higher road. And I really believe what we're talking about is Reformation here. With all 21 of us on this, this, this watching live, this is what's calling us to go further and greater. And we can do this. I think the Reformation is probably going to start in Canada with Zoe, to be honest with you. Um, this is not wanting to slow down. It's actual, re it's not slowing down. It's not saying like, oh, Dr. King, just wait a little bit. It's not that white moderate bullshit. It's not wanting to slow down. It's actually rethinking our tactics to actually get things done and move forward. So eventually this will speed things up, in my opinion. We must use... Uh, you know, our, our, our freedom and our, our, ourselves from the grind and look on the, we got to separate ourselves. Um, sorry, my, my handwriting is sometimes really bad. The self, we got to separate ourselves from the grind and the locking of uh, the gridlock of the binary thinking. We've got to say no more gridlock. And right now as we're in gridlock and the more we're nasty to each other, the more we try to cancel each other, the more we do this, we are going to be stuck in this gridlock and it's going to eventually turn to violence and war with one another. Um, 
honestly, you know, there is a chance that, 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 that someone like Donald Trump will run again and win office. And then, you know, what is this? When is this? This is our moment to say, okay, we've tried everything else and it's not working. Now we've got to do something radically different. And it might not be popular. When Dr. King did the Poor People's Campaign, he wasn't very popular. And it's not about being popular. It's about reaching out to those who need us. And that Poor campaign, People Campaign that he died working on got changed. Things changed because of his sacrifice for those folks. It was poor blacks, it was poor whites, it was poor men, it was poor women, and I'm sure there were LGBTQ people who weren't out, and also in that situation, who got taken care of. Do you see what I'm saying? The bigger picture, the human picture, discovering our humanity together. You know, so this works, this type of anger works for sports. And that's why I use that garbage, uh, my garbage dump earlier with the blessed thing in it and all the gross stuff and the poop smeared on the blessed uh, <laughs> pillow all in the middle of the garbage is because it's like, oh, our team won. But it's like your team, both of our teams are shit, you know? I mean... Can we just be honest with each other? You know, I don't want to live in the world where it's lesser of two evils. I don't want evil. I just want humanity. And humanity's messy. And being messy is okay. That's part of our lives. We got to get over the shock system of when people fail and make mistakes. You know, I used to think that the, the progressive churches would be more open to restoring and helping pastors who had affairs or did things like that, but I watch them online and I see them tear those guys apart as well. It's like there's no grace for the great mistakes. There's no grace for humanity. There's no place for pastors to be haphazardly human. And so what you have is pastors with a lot of secret lives. You have leaders with a lot of secret lives. Why? Because they are afraid of you. They are afraid of how you will react and that you will destroy them because there is no room to fail because there is no one who wants to do the hard work of restoration. Gently and humbly restore one another. If you think you're too good to restore someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're no one at all. And think about the restoration felt like and how you felt like you had a place. Return the favor without just thinking it's something only gays do or something only Christians do or something only politicians do or something only these people do. No, it's something that humans should do for one another, Christian or non-Christian. We must find a new way of being extreme. Extreme with the fruits of the Spirit, peace. Patience, kindness, joy, long-suffering. I think I missed a few. Making one another, mocking one another is only stoking the pain and the anger. Even when we must love from afar, we can leave the door open. And that's what I've done with my father. That's what I've done with people who've cut me off as I've made it very clear 
at the end of our relationships, the end of our, our, our friendship. I even sent this text to my own dad. It's, the door is always opened if you want to have a conversation. I'm always here if you want to have a tough talk. Because what else can I have to lose? I lose you completely or we can sit together and argue. At least if we sit together and argue, we see each other as human beings, complex, different human beings who are on a different, you know, a different road. You know, and we can talk about those different roads. You know, I would love to be able to sit down with my dad and say, the reason I am the way I am is because you taught me to study, honestly, in such a very legalistic assemblies of God way that when I started doing, uh, when I started, when I started really like looking at, at um, the Bible and, and looking at with its context and, and, and doing biblical scholarship, I took it very, very seriously. The problem is I found things that a lot of people don't like and don't agree with. But that's where it came from. I'm like, you taught me. A lot of those original books that I bought that came from people who didn't agree with me came from conservative Christian bookstores because they had these books with biblical history in them, you know? And my scholarship started there. Eventually, I moved on to even further scholarship. And now I've even started reading philosophy. And philosophy, I find, allows us and begs us and draws us into a place of living within contradiction and seeing how we do that. I also think this plays into capitalism. I think capitalism says we all should have happy, have what we want, and anybody against that should fuck off. And that's not how we should live. People are afraid of... Uh, of, of, of communism or Marxism or socialism. But I think some of those ideas, not all, we don't have to take the whole thing, but taking from some of those ideas that allow us to live in a community and be who we are. Now, I've been kicked out by the best. I've been, I mean, I'm doing this in my thing, man. I've been kicked out by the best. I've been ostracized by the best. And to be honest with you, a lot of the folks I stuck up for <laughs> didn't really stay around because they were like, oh, straight white guy, you know what, now we've got our own speakers, so we're going to move on, so we're going to do this. And that's fine. I get it. I understand it. But the point is, is, is like, you know, I'm just here to say, like, I've seen it from both sides. I've seen people fade away, and I've seen people just drop me. I've been excommunicated. I've seen it happen on both sides. But that's why I am here to say to you all, um, a narrow road. This is and from studying the Bible and from reading Dr. King, from reading Paul Tillich, uh, <laughs> from reading Hegel, uh, you know, uh, and now Kant's seeming to be very uh, interesting to me as well, and reading Slavo Zizak and reading Peter Rollins, and understanding these things. And I really believe we can go somewhere better. Uh, I see people with questions. If there was a big question that someone wants me to answer, if you put it up in a bit of a short way, I will try to answer it right now. Otherwise, I'm going to close. But I wasn't sure if you guys were asking me to answer a question or you were asking someone else to answer a question. Um, the questions just don't stand up. So maybe if I push it, it'll st if I touch it, it'll stay. Let me know. You give you a few more minutes. Someone's asking me to answer a question. I'd be glad to, I just can't see it. Okay, so Charles, 
I see Charles up. Now, I'm Jamie Charles, so I'm guessing you're not talking about this Charles. That's what my mom and dad call me when I'm in trouble. I thank God for Google. Amen. Go for it, Charles. How can we forgive someone if they don't say sorry? That is the beauty of grace, and that's what I talked about last week. I'll tell you what. I forgave Jerry Falwell, and he did not say he was sorry. And what I realized is that's what I did, what I could do. But what I realized is my unforgiveness for Falwell, my judgments for him and other people like him, were tearing me apart, making me a bitter person, uh, making me someone who was not very fun to be around, and my sermons reflected as well. Here I was preaching about grace, but I was preaching about grace in such an angry way. It made no sense. Like, it's like, I'm preaching about grace, but where's grace at, you know? And when I realized that I could forgive someone, that that's all I could do. Their reaction to me made no sense. You know, I feel like this when I, when I go through breakups and stuff, you know, you're like, I really want to, but you haven't said you're sorry. But sometimes you just go in and say, listen, I've forgiven you because I've got to move on with my own life. And if they can't accept that forgiveness, if they can't return that forgiveness, if they can't see what they've done, you've done what you need to do. And what you've got to do is realize you're accepted, but also realize that there's grace there for them. And I honestly say that I don't pray a lot, but when I would do, that's the type of thing I would be praying, is that they see that grace, that they see that grace is there, and that there's some sort of transparency there. Because um, if we want everyone to apologize who's done anything bad, that's going to freeze it up. So sometimes you have to forgive people on your own benefit. Sometimes you have to take the road less traveled because that's your side of the road is forgiving. What they do with it, that's up to them. It's like when someone is angry at me and doesn't want anything to do with me, if I try to talk to them and they still feel the same way, I have to realize that that's more about them than it is about me. And that they may be struggling with a lack of forgiveness. Now, I have also forgiven people in five years, 10 years, even 20 years down the road, they have come back to me and said, hey, at the time I wasn't ready to say I'm sorry, but now I realize how hurtful I was and how much damaging I did to you, you know? Or maybe they die before they do that. But maybe inside of the late nights, they've been thinking about, I really should have done that. You know, I needed that. You just don't know what, we're all so different. And we all have so much going on, not just consciously, but unconsciously in our lives. And sometimes we're repeating things that go back to our childhood and relationships with our families and with our parents and these different things. And that their inability to say, I'm sorry to you, might have more to do with how they were raised or what happened to them as a child than it does with you. And so when we're able to even have that type of knowledge and understanding and recognize that humanity is very complex, that psyche is very complex, and that this is not just some simple answer, I think that's where we, we, we do a good job. You know, I mean, I, we, I've seen shows where mothers and fathers have come in and forgive the people who killed their kids. And where one time the people are like, oh, thank you. And then other times they're like, fuck you, I enjoyed killing your child. But it wasn't about them. One of the reasons I let my father meet with Jerry Falwell after I forgave him was not because I knew my dad was going to get an apology. 
is what, because I knew simply that with my dad being able to say, I forgive you, Jerry Falwell, in prison, it was going to take a weight off of his shoulders, a pain and resentments off of his shoulders. And that was what, he, it was for him. I didn't care what Jerry Falwell responded. So for forgiving others is often more for us than it is for the other. Um, but it's really beautiful when it works out that there is a response of both of us realizing, hey, this wasn't great, or hey, I really hurt you and I'm sorry, you know. Um, but we always, you know, it doesn't always work out like that. Most of the time, I don't think it works out like that, to be honest with you. So we, we, we never give up. As Corinthians says, you never give up. Keep loving people. You know, you're not here to, you keep no record of when you've been wrong. You move on. It's hard not to do. But that's what, that's what this thing Christianity is asking us to do. And that's why it's so radical. And that's why it's so sad to me when I see so many people getting it wrong and using it for an excuse to scapegoat others and ostracize others and continue to build more factions rather than communities that are learning to work things out. I mean, that's why I do Galatians every year is because you have this divided community who's completely disrespecting one another. And Paul is going in there at one moment angry and the next minute loving, trying to get people to be a community, even though he knows they're not always going to agree. But he's also trying to teach them how to disagree well. And also trying to remind them like, hey, listen, if you think you're too good to forgive that person, you need to rethink that, you know? So we're always gonna have these struggles. You know, I would, I would love for some people to say, I'm sorry. Um, but I've learned not to hold my breath. Um, I love you guys. I appreciate you. If you like the work we're doing here, happy Father's Day, by the way. Happy Father's Day, everyone. I hope you got a great present, tie, jewelry that matches everything, and, and, and orthodox crosses that'll make you look, you know, hey, I'm down with JC. Um... This work, and we're starting Tuesday nights, which I don't know a particular time yet because I'm trying to set a time that so everybody can listen. The last one I did was kind of late, so people on the East Coast really didn't get to hear it. So we'll see what we can do to make that better for everybody. Um, revolutionchurch.com, um, the first thing you'll see is a donation button. We just finally were like, hey, we need your help. We need your support. And we did lose a big donor um, recently. And um, I am getting about half a paycheck right now uh, for my work. Uh, luckily, I've, I'm working on this film as well, trying to do that. So I'm able to take care of my kids and, and get groceries and pay bills. But um, I'm suffering with you all right now through this time. So if, if you can support, I understand if you can't, because I understand what the world is. But even three, four, five bucks makes a difference. And uh, just maybe you're independently wealthy. Maybe Elon Musk is watching right now and rethinking things and is going to send a billion dollars and I'll never have to ask you this question again. Um, anyhow, I love you guys. I appreciate your support and uh, lots of grace, lots of peace for you all. And um, I have solidarity for your suffering and I'm grateful that you have solidarity for mine. This community is growing and going in a beautiful direction. And I am very, very excited for the future. And uh, we can do it. We can make it. I know. I know. I'm not going to give up. 
My depression keeps telling me to do it, and I'm not gonna do it, because I'm doing it for you folks and for those two lovely children uh, having too much tablet time in their room. So, peace out, love you guys. Happy Father's Day. See you next week. you enjoyed this podcast to make your 100 tax deductible donation today please visit revolutionchurch.com donate you can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website